Hello, I'm Laura Scales, a dedicated arts facilitator, career counselor, and the CEO of Living Arts Detroit. Join us as we chat with both experienced and emerging artistic professionals who have ignited their creativity and shaped their careers to thrive while living in the arts. Today's interview is with Lowell Thomas, a videographer, photographer, and editor. As a freelancer, he has been featured in The Root, American Theater Magazine, Teen Vogue, Chicago Tribune, The Chicago Reader, and more. We're going to learn a bit about making movies, how to choose who you work with, and that caring for your mind is caring for your process. One takeaway I can offer you already, think about the type of work you want to make, but also the type of life you want to live. For more, stay tuned. Hi, Luelle. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing well. I'm so excited that we get to have you on the podcast and that we get to chat about your life and your art and how you got here. Can you briefly introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. So my name is Lowell, uh, Lowell Thomas. I currently live in Chicago. I've been here for about five, six years. And I'm a filmmaker, videographer, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if there's a camera... I'm around it. Yeah, it's mainly what I've been doing for the last several years. Incredible. I know little to nothing about your world, except for I very much like watching things that are created by cameras. Hey. Um, that's that's the extent. Uh, so forgive, forgive my ignorance as we, uh, if I'm like, tell me more about this thing. I want to know. Well, I want to start us off as we start every podcast off with a good thing and a bad thing. So it could be two good things, but it can't be two bad things. Those are the rules. And I did make them up. So my good thing is that I got to go swimming at the indoor pool with my family yesterday. And that was pretty exciting. My my son put his head underwater for the first time Congrats. and he didn't drown. Uh, so he was really excited that that was, in fact, a truth he was being told. And he was really proud of himself. Uh, <laughs> and then my bad thing is I feel like everyone's got a little touch of something going around these days. So mm-hmm. I'm coughing a little more than I than I want. How about you? Yeah, so... I'm going to go off your good thing. My good thing is I'm taking swimming classes right now. And this is my last week in this section, this first section that I'm in. And it's going really well. So I'm excited about that. And then bad thing, my friend just had a root canal. And it it was kind of tough to see him in like so much pain. They had a really, they're having a really hard time with it. But I was glad I could be there. But that was kind of the bad thing today. Yeah, I get that. It's never fun. Mm-mm. But I'm really excited about your swimming lessons. Hey, thank you. <laughs> me too. I love it. All right, let's dig into it. Tell me about how you got started in the arts and how your path has led to where you are now. So I'd say my path into the arts started actually with like uh, with writing, with poetry. I think you had a lot of good teachers growing up who encouraged us to journal a lot, to write a lot, to pay close attention to stories and how they're told and how they're structured and all sorts of things. So I think poetry and stuff like that and going to local writing events and things like that growing up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, that was my initial start into the arts because I didn't really have anybody in my immediate family who was into art making or anything like that. But it was also something they never discouraged. 
it wasn't until I got a lot older that um, I got around like cameras. And originally it was more for like a journalistic reasons and approach to it. Um, I'd volunteered at like a free student newsroom, basically. And that's how I first got my hands on a camera and then started volunteering at like some film festival that was uh, in the town. And so from there, I started doing like some news broadcasting stuff, sports broadcasting stuff, then dipped a little bit into some short film work and then dipped into some commercial work um, before I moved out to Chicago. And so when I got to Chicago, then I had an opportunity to do that more specifically with like an organization or a company. And for the last couple of years, kind of taking those experiences and now have been freelancing uh, for the last little over two years now. Awesome. I love that. I love getting involved through writing. It's amazing how many people get involved through writing or journaling in class. It's like the best way. Honestly. And how big of an impact that has, right? I think that's incredible. Do you still write poetry? I still write occasionally. Um, not Definitely not as much as I used to. It'd be like journals of stuff. But I still write here and there. And then I think more so lately, I've been more interested in writing like prose and longer form things like that. Ah, yes. Incredible. When did you know you were in the industry for the long haul? Like huh. you were like, I'm going to commit my life to art and yeah. here I go. I don't know. Have I done that yet? I don't know. Maybe I haven't. I would say it was. There's still time to back out. <laughs> I can take a step back. Yeah. I realized it probably when I moved to Chicago because when I moved to Chicago, I only knew one person who lived out here. So when I moved to Chicago, I knew that I had to make a hard choice. I can give this six months to a year or something like that. And then I have to decide what I want to do. It put me in a position where I had to make that decision every day and commit to it and uh, try to find ways to make it work for me. I love intentionality behind steps. I think that's something my parents really try to instill in me is like, wake up and intend to do the thing and choose it. Choose it every day. So Alyssa, so you talk about your path uh, and how you got here. You've worked on so many different types of pieces, like between journalism and then you were talking about sports and then commercial. And I know that there was some cinematic in there. And then I know you've worked in some theatrical um, spaces as well. Can you talk to us a bit about the difference in those projects or is your process the same artistically when you approach them? Yeah, it's different for each thing with something like the journalism it's more in the eyes of the reporter or something like that. You're just trying to capture as much of the story as you can. So it's so much about coverage, but also moving as like fast as you can. So the process is different because the intention is very different. With something like sports broadcasting, um, it's similar, but everything is very live. And you have to let go of things a lot more because nothing's going to stop for you. So things just keep moving. There's a little bit of pressure, but it's also can be very relaxing in a way where you just have to keep moving and you can't overthink everything. And there's a lot more setup that happens, hours of setup that happen before each thing, each event and stuff like that. So there's a little bit more camaraderie, I feel like, in those kind of circles too. And then when it comes to like commercial work, I would say that it's very different because you are trying to say so much in a very condensed amount of time and you get to have a little bit more pre-planning um, that happens and 
you get to apply different artistic visions, but that's still very much like clients or whoever have a very much an idea about what they want and what they need. And they have a lot of control over the messaging. And I think when it comes to more narrative things, it's a bit of a combination of all of that. Something's going to happen the day of that has to be fixed. You got to be on your feet. But beforehand, you get to pre-plan and location scout and do all these things and think about the intentionality of it every step of the way. And you kind of have permission to give yourself as much time as you need to feel like you can tell the story with the resources that you have. The collaboration, it's a long game. It's extensive, uh, especially if you're on the project from pre-production until it's released. Uh, You got to work with the art direction, the actors, the editors, the colorists, sound people. So there's a lot of just extended camaraderie through more narrative stuff that I like as well. That's really exciting, all the different ways that you can kind of collaborate. Your brain must work in like an incredible way to be able to shift gears between all of what I imagine different mindsets would be based on pace and and what you can control, what you can't control. And when you're freelancing, is that something that like you're conscious of? Do you need to get your head in the right space or are you just so used to going back and forth between these amazing opportunities that you just switch it up on the go. Oh, I, I, I know before I go in, like what my mindset kind of needs to be, you know, you don't get to stroke your chin too much when on certain projects, you know, you've got to just get in there and uh, get it done. Um, and then others, you have to take a more patient approach and people are asking you to be a collaborator in a more integrated way. So you kind of have to in a way, be willing to give a little bit more of yourself and a little bit more of your thoughts outside of set to the thing. Um, So yeah, different approach for each. How has freelancing impact your artistic practice, like positively or negatively? What have you learned from freelancing? And like, how would you advise those who are looking to supplement their practice with freelance work or who are heading and like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to freelance. Freelancing, um, Working outside of an organization has impacted my work positively, I'd say, because it puts you in a position a lot of times where you get to work with a lot of different people and you see a lot of different techniques and a lot of different work ethics and all sorts of things that you can then apply to yourself if you're like paying attention. With that said, you know, you'll be on projects where it's like, that's not the sexiest project. That's not the most exciting project. (laughs) Pretty much on every project you're on, there's always something to learn, new people to meet. Um, and you just get to get that practice in. So I'd say overall, it's impacted me positively. And in terms of advice for folks who might be thinking about going into freelance, whether it's totally or just as like a supplemental thing, I would say the main thing to have in check is just the paperwork of it, really. Because um, mm. skills and stuff like that, There's so much of it that you'll learn just by like doing it and like, you know, really giving yourself time to study what you've done and study like how you work with other people. But I'd say mainly the paperwork, understanding how it affects your taxes, understanding how to schedule your own time, understanding how to, I think having a real sense of your workload capacity will come into play. Yeah. And I think if you get those things settled in, then you give yourself time to get into the projects carefully and with a lot of thoughtfulness and a lot of intentionality, but also you give yourself an opportunity to 
to manage the money so that you can yeah. really start seeing some of the fruits of the things that you're doing. Incredible. Shifting gears slightly, um, what is some of the work that you are most and least proud of? And, and what did you learn from that? I'd say some of the work I'm most proud of has been recently with uh, a friend of mine on a short film. It was the first time we filmed, uh, we were using like sword fighting and all sorts of things were incorporated in there. It's one of the things I feel that come to mind as being proud of is it was one of those times where we worked through a lot of different obstacles, like the weather got in the way multiple weekends in a row. We mm-hmm. had to reschedule a bunch and this and that. But despite that, we kind of figured it out. And I think ultimately, like we still had a good time and everybody was very good about advocating for what they needed. And I think that it was just a crew that was just committed to just figuring things out and trying to like work through things. Um, And so it was really fun to be around that kind of optimism and that kind of energy. And it reminds you to like want to apply that in every project that you have and to, you know, kind of just keep the vision as alive as, as much as possible. Um, so yeah, that's one of the projects I feel like pretty proud of recently, I'd say. That's incredible. What strategies have you developed to take care of yourself while working in the industry? Like, I think, you know, (laughs) the arts seem very like, ah, yes, sunshines and lollipops and playing dress up for a living. But, you know, we also know that... (laughs) You know, there's a, a, a good thing and a bad thing about every industry. But how do you kind of prioritize self-care as you're going about your path? The ways I prioritize self-care when I'm working is a lot of it's saying no to things, um, actually. Mm-hmm. Anxiety can manifest in uh, productivity a lot of times and people saying yes to a lot of mm-hmm. things and pushing through to do a lot of things because they feel like they have to get that experience. They have to get those, those points or meet these people and this and that, but, uh, being able to say no, yeah, it does create that space for you to do some of your best work, maybe less opportunities, but those other opportunities can be more fruitful because you're able to really invest in it and kind of have an expectation for it versus just trying to get through something. And I feel like a lot of us find ourselves in a position where we're working and working just to get through something, just to get to the next thing versus having like these real expectations for things and kind of being patient with it. So saying no has helped a lot. I love that. No being a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. And also the nap ministry uh, as a previous guest also uh, quoted where it's like rest is resilience makes me happy in my heart. So also as a, as a person of color navigating this industry, do you have any advice for younger people of color? So most of our students are young black, brown kids from Detroit. I didn't know if you had any specific advice or things that you wish you had known um, at the beginning of your career, or maybe that like you would love for other people to know. I'd say, especially as like a black person in the industry, one of the things I I think is really important is you want to have a, the technical skills, some of the people skills and things like that. But it's really important to read. It's really important to understand your own sense of self and politics and things like that. Um, So when you do kind of enter into these arenas, you have an easier time parsing out what's happening around you. 
and how you can advocate for yourself. Because I think there's a lot of Black folks who've been in the industry that can't, it's not the, not everybody's silent or anything like that, but some, for some folks, they can't like quite articulate or really say what it is and pinpoint what it is that is bothering them in a way, or don't have kind of maybe a previous understanding of how to organize folks around themselves or each other to like advocate for change or something new to happen. So I would say that's very important. And also that you want opportunities, but also make sure you're looking for people that you can really trust to surround yourself with. And those people aren't always going to be Black. I've worked with organizations that they lead with their Blackness, pro-Black, but would be late paying me by like seven or eight months or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you don't, it's not just like what people look like, but you also want to make sure you're really considering the ideas and uh, giving them time to show that through practice as well. So I'd say that that's one of the the main things is just, yeah, understanding yourself outside of your work and just try to surround yourself with people who are actually advocating for you and who motivate you to be better yourself. And be better doesn't necessarily just come through the technical aspect, just like holistically. It reminds me of that old saying, all skin folks ain't kin folks. Not all the time. <laughs> Not all the it's time. Hard. But I mean, finding your finding the people who embrace the same values, I think, as you. And I love the idea of like it does. They don't always look like you, but if they have the same values as you, that's really what matters. That's great advice. I'm gonna take that advice as well. Hey, <laughs> as I'm walking through my day. <laughs> Off topic slightly. What? media are you consuming now that's like exciting or inspiring or stuff that you just like love i just watched this horror movie called talk to me which uh is this horror film that was really that was really spooky um and really cre- it was really creepy and so I, I like how their approach to horror it kind of felt nostalgic back in these high schoolers are in trouble and like a little bit of a whodunit and whatnot yeah. and then yeah, I've been listening to a lot of, listen to a decent amount of music. I was just listening to a lot of music, like film sound scores and soundtracks lately. Uh, went through like the Creed yes. soundtracks. I went through the Oppenheimer soundtracks, the, the Barbie one, the Studio Ghibli ones. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of those lately, and that's been fun um, as I'm doing like random stuff. Those have been the last, like, in the last couple of days for sure that have been like taking up my time um, that I've been listening through. And then I've been watching a show called Attack on Titan. I'm almost through the first season of it. Yes. It doesn't really fill you with hope. It's really, it's really gruesome and bleak, but no. it's interesting. It's very interesting. Oh, it's an emotional ride. I made it through the first couple episodes of Attack on Titan um, before I was like, I, I think I'm going to pass on this one. I'm not yeah. like, emotionally stable for it. I kept thinking about it, which is like the mark of good art, right? But like... It wasn't good for me. <laughs> it doesn't get better. So you hopped off at the right time. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that was good on you. Anime will rip your heart out of your chest and then like make you stare at it for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What would you tell your younger self if you could go back in time about where you are now, about the industry, you know, anything? I would say to my younger self, about the industry, about anything related to art making, 
is to give your ideas time and persistence. If I had time to give one message, that would be it. There's, there can be a rush to get things done and um, try as many things as you can, but sometimes things need, they just need time to grow. They need time to get support and they need time to be believed in so that you can advocate for them. So I'd say that would be the main message I'd give to myself. Amazing. What would you tell young people about their career aspirations in the art? Yeah, something I would say about to like young folks about the career aspirations is when you're first starting out, try to understand whatever medium you're in. Try to understand the process from top down about as much as you can. And then I think by doing that, you'll find what you really gravitate towards. And that will allow you to more naturally develop your focus as to like what you want to be doing. And when you think about your aspirations, you obviously want to think about the work kind of work you want to make, but also think about the kind of life you want to live. If you like to stay home or you like to do certain things, maybe you don't for film, for instance, maybe you don't want to be on set every day or that's not the thing. So maybe you're thinking about what do I do in post? Maybe I want to do more producing or something more in the finances or administrative aspect on it. Um, And vice versa, if you don't like to just be at home or be in offices and this and that, you might want to think more about, okay, what technical skills or this and that do I need to have on set? Um, What experiences do I need to be on there? And what kind of projects do I take on so I can meet people to, you know, start forming a team and, you know, working together with folks to make things. So... Yeah, that's one of the the main things I would say is understand things from the top down um, so that you can develop your focus. I love it. What advice for parents or caregivers whose whose children or nephews or nieces or grandkids want to go in the art? You as a successful person, what would you say to them? Advice I give to parents who have kids or relatives or this or that who are interested in doing something artistic is like, why not? You know, it's kind of like what harm is going to come from a person learning more ways to express themselves, express their ideas, help others express themselves and their ideas. What's the worst that can come from that? And at the end of the day, they probably are going to learn some new skills that they can take with them throughout their entire life. They're not going to forget how to paint. They're always going to be able to, you know, hit a two-step on beat at every event they go to. They know how to dance. (laughs) You know, you're going to, and you're going to, a lot of times it allows them also to think more holistically or deeper about their own lives and about, you know, keep coming back to this word intentionality, but, you know, thinking about expressing themselves with intention, which will be something that's beneficial kind of no matter what field you go into. Yeah, it's a beautiful opportunity to expand how you think and also have fun learning something new. Yes. And I mean, like, you're right. They can take these skills with them everywhere. And if they like it, why not let them like it? Mm -hmm. One of the things you had mentioned earlier is that you made a big move, a big leap for yourself in coming to Chicago. What advice would you have for people who are at a similar point in their career where they're looking at potentially moving to a city where they don't know anyone or they maybe know someone? Do you have any advice for them or words of encouragement? Moving to a new place is hard. If you're, you know, if you're planning on moving to a new place, go into it with open arms 
you're going to have to allow yourself to meet new people. Um, and you can't just be caught up on like what you're leaving behind, but you have to be going there to embrace something and allow yourself to be embraced in some ways. Um, and try to save up as much money as you can too, because you want to give yourself the freedom to explore a little bit if you can. So trying to keep things as affordable as you can for definitely at least the first like six months or so um, while you're trying to figure some things out. You know, when I moved to Chicago, there's a lot of fear about what if it doesn't work out and I have to go back home or I have to do something else that might happen. But you moving to this city does not, you know, or a certain city or a certain place does not determine it's probably not the goal, right? It's not, that shouldn't be the goal. It's like, yeah. you got to be in this city to do this thing. Your artistic interest, your passions, and all these things existed before you set foot in that city. So just being in that place doesn't necessarily mean success for you. In some ways, there might you could be in a smaller place and actually have more success and have more freedoms and things like that. I say, for example, there's, you know, people who live in, Michigan, who work on big Hollywood films, they get called in, Mm. you know, to work on those things. But they live in like Western Michigan or something like that. So it's not necessarily where you are that determines what you're going to do or what opportunities you'll have. So don't put all the pressure on just being in a place and continue to focus on your craft and also just how your own development as a person and how you treat other people. Amazing. My brother is a musician and uh, he got it in his head that he needed to be in L.A. So he he packed up and he moved to L.A. for a year and he learned a whole lot about L.A. and himself and how that just wasn't the place for him. And then he wrote a song about it. So like it worked out. Uh, (laughs) But I think I think with that, I think you're absolutely right is that, you know, why why are you going? Um, It has to be more than just just this one thing that that seems really important. He lives in Nashville now, so he's. He's bounced oh, yeah, all around from yeah. D- Detroit to Boston to Chicago, you know, L.A. to Nashville. You know, he's he's going up and around. But I think that's that's really interesting. I went to Chicago for school and then I didn't come back until later. So <laughs> yeah, like I've her. never taken that big move. I get comfy. I get cozy where I am. I just want to, like, Same. stay in it for a minute. <laughs> What does your own artistic process look like? Do you have rituals or routines in place that help your own creative process? For me, when I'm trying to make something or work on something, it always starts off with an outline and usually some degree of meditation. Just giving my space, uh, giving myself space to clear my thoughts and break things down to the simplest points and giving myself room to be honest with myself without judging myself too hard one way or another. I think it's important to celebrate, you know, when you feel like, oh, I've made a little bit of a breakthrough here. I might do a little something here or there, you know, but um, not to let that become too addicting and to keep, you know, things moving. I think for me, it's kind of like, it allows me to set things up so that I can take it through step by step In this outline, it doesn't feel like it's doing what I want it to do, then that's okay. I just kind of like will readjust from there. But I'd say meditation and outlining are two very 
big things that I like to do as an artistic process. Um, and sometimes outlining looks like bullet points. Sometimes it looks more like a storyboard. And sometimes it looks like notes from a conversation. I love that. And then in terms of meditation, are you one of the like people who could just like sit and calmly go into a place or do you like have an app or you're like a YouTuber? How do you, how do you come to meditation? You know, there's a decent amount of times I come to meditation just because I'm tired and I don't want to get out of bed. So I'm just like, sure. all right, let me just uh, slip for a second. Outside of that, I think I come to meditation pretty much anywhere. Um, I could be on a train. I could just be sitting by the lake. I could be in a room just kind of staring at a wall. So yeah, it comes anywhere. I've tried using some of the like meditation apps and you know music mm-hmm. and YouTube channels and stuff like that. But for the most part, I like to keep the pathway to meditating or thinking in that kind of way as clear as possible, needing as few things as possible to kind of tap into that. I I like it. I'm one of those walking meditators. Like oh, yeah. if I sit still and it's not guided, all bets are off. But if I'm walking, I can meditate about for hours. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> just need to to do that. Nature walks, not hiking, nature walking. Yeah, that's, a good walk for some difference. Indefinite for miles. Me. Yeah. It does wonders. Yeah. That's that's I might do that. After this, I might take the dog with me. I get caught sometimes. I walk too far and I have to turn around. I'm like, oh, damn. I know. I got to turn around at some point. Yikes. I might have walked too far. Right? I might have walked too far. Fortunately, I have a a very adorable dog with the tiniest little legs. He weighs 55 pounds, but he has like tiny baby dogs dog legs he's a pocket bully an american bully pocket size so he's our rescue but somebody made him they were like ah yes this is what a dog should look like Mm. so he and i are working on getting him past a mile but we do have to stop and i right like i become one of those like i've had dogs before but i've never been a dog mom before but now I like have like his snacks and his little water and he has a sweatshirt for when it's cool outside. But he also has a cooling vest for when it's too hot. Ooh. And like we slowly but surely like he just got to a mile. Um, and so I was so proud of him. I was like, you got to a mile. And then I drop him off at home and go finish my walk. But <laughs> yeah, he keeps me from going too far and, and coming back. But he loves walking. Just tiny little legs. Our last question for you today is from the community. So Auric writes, what is your number one preferred video editing software slash program? And then do you have any favorite editing techniques? Favorite software? Uh, Pound for pound, I'd say it's DaVinci Resolve is probably my favorite one. You should definitely know how to use Premiere Pro and learn as much about the other ones as you can. But that would probably be my favorite one. Everything's so neatly contained within there and for bigger projects where you might need a little more teamwork and collaboration i'd say premiere pro is usually a good way to go and then i don't have any favorite editing techniques it kind of just depends on what is what's needed but i'd say that editing wise usually the basic stuff um, works pretty well as long as it's well timed and it's considerate of the story being told so it just kind of depends on what what needs to happen 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today and answering all these questions. We'll have links in the show comment to your bio or any recs you have. I know that there are some things that I'm going to be looking into um, and some some words of wisdom that I really appreciate. So thank you for coming on and joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It was really fun uh, talking with you. And I'm glad to see things are going well over there. Living in the Arts is hosted by Laura Scales, with original music and editing by Jason Duran. It's produced by Claire Howe, and our podcast coordinator is Colin Shy. Living in the Arts is made possible in part by the MGM Resort Foundation and by donors like you. For more information about anything our guest mentioned, be sure to check out the show notes. To learn more and support Living in the Arts, please visit livingartsdetroit.org. Thank you so much for joining us and so much for listening. 